Welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast, where endurance riders from all across the globe gather, sharing their stories, goals, and progress as they train for and compete in endurance events at every level. So kick off your shoes, pull up a chair, and listen as we gather around the virtual campfire and listen to friends from across the world. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Endurance Horse Podcast. Today I have some files to share with you, a few that are new. We have one that is from one of the 100 Mile Challenge Riders that I think you're going to enjoy. We're going to play that one first. We have a few that were waiting patiently in folders while we went through that last three-part series that we just did. I don't have a big intro for you. I just hope everything's going really well for you. We're going to jump right in. Without further ado, I bring to you episode 44 of Endurance Horse Podcast. Hi there, you two. I had some questions for you for the Endurance Horse Podcast. So go ahead and tell us about yourself, your name, where are you from, how old are you? My name's Avery, and I'm seven years old, and I'm from Oregon. My name is Shane, and I am 10, and I'm from Oregon. All right. What got you into riding, Avery? I... I've just been riding with horses since before I was even born, and I just have I've, I've been riding them before I have, have even been walking, and I've been riding them since then. Okay, how about you, Shane? I have been riding before I actually could walk. My mom used to ride a lot when I was a baby, so and she would bring me with her. All right, and I liked horses. All right, Avery, which challenges did you complete? I've completed Valkyrie Journey, and I'm working towards doing Relentless. All right, Shane, and you? I have done Ranger, and I'm planning on next year doing another challenge. Who did you ride? I did most of my challenge, or most of my Ranger challenge, on Shiloh, who, which is a Tessie Walker, who we leased from a friend named Stacy. All right, Avery, how about you tell me about the seven horses that you used for your challenges? I've used our horse, Phoenix. She is 14, and she is a chestnut mare. Who sometimes acts like a... Yes, she sometimes acts like a fire-breathing dragon. Yeah. I've also used a horse named Shiloh, who we leased from I'm a friend named Stacy. And I've used Ari, which is also our horse, and her name... And she's an Arabian, and she's a Palomino. And And at Pony Club Camp, we used... A horse named Stormy. And then at Horse and Around, which is your lesson barn, we've used a few horses there as well. Like Zach, Baby, and Dharma. All right, Shane and Avery, I'll ask why did the two of you choose to do these challenges? Well, I like spending time with the horses. And how about you, Avery? I... Just like going out on the trails and spending time with the horses on the trails, getting to ride with them. And also the medals are amazing. Yeah, the medals are gorgeous, aren't they? Uh Truthfully, Avery didn't sign up for Relentless until she saw the medal. So, (laughs) and she was all over it. Okay, on our journey to finish these challenges, we camped over 30 times last season so 30 campouts for 2020 i like to ask the two of you which was your favorite camp out in your trail at that particular horse camp starting with you shane graham carras and my favorite trail there is metolius wendigo okay so shane said graham corrals and metolius wendigo trail and how about you avery where was your favorite horse camp and trail 
I like Quinn Meadows, and I like going down to Sparks Lake. Yeah, we did meet friends there at Spark Lake where we rode our horses down there and had a picnic lunch. So that was a lot of fun. All right, kiddos, let's talk about your goals for this season. Do either of you have any goals for the 2021 ride season, starting with you, Shane? Doing another challenge. How about you, Avery? Completing Relentless and doing another. Did you have any goals regarding endurance this season? Hopefully doing my first 25-mile LD. That would be really cool if we could work up to that and ride that together. All right, Avery, I'd like to ask you, do you feel that committing to 100 miles affected your relationship with your horse? It just makes me love my horse even more and more and more. (laughs) That's really sweet. And Shane, do you have any suggestions or parting thoughts on 100-mile challenges for other riders? Well, you have to be patient, and if you want to complete one, ride a lot. Well, there you go. Thank you. Hey, everybody. This is Tennessee Lane. I live in La Vida, Colorado, at the base of the Spanish Peaks, home of SoCo Endurance, where we host the Spanish Peaks Endurance rides here. Um, I just got back yesterday from the Ozark Trails 100-mile endurance ride, and we had a fantastic time. Um, It was a very different ride than... I'm used to. Uh, I was really interested in that ride since I heard that it was going on. I've always wanted to see that part of the world, and I've I've done um, quite a few hundreds multiple times. And I just I wanted to see something new, and I, I wanted to get outside of my comfort zone. and And going east was definitely outside of my comfort zone. I knew that uh, the humidity and the heat and the bugs and anyway there were a lot of challenges that we are not accustomed to um while we're very accustomed to other challenges like mountains and altitude and cold in fact our horses were standing in snow uh, in a blizzard a week before we departed for this ride it was an unexpected august blizzard but you know it's it's colorado you can never you can never predict colorado weather so it technically that's the norm Regardless, I, uh, I've been looking forward to this ride for a long time. I have was super excited to go see something new, and I talked Carrie Redenti in last minute into joining me with her Black Stallion Val, um, and they entered the 75-mile ride. And so I departed before her. <clears throat> My mom and I took Thor and Val together the two days out to Missouri and set up camp so that they would have both Thursday and Friday to rest and rehydrate before the start of the ride on Saturday morning. Carrie and the rest of our crew, Luke and Seth and my brother Phelps, all all arrived on Friday. Let's see, I guess to tell the story, um, the truth is that I, I think Thor was ready for his first 100 last year. Thor is eight years old, I think eight or nine years old. I need to actually look that up. I think he's nine. Um, I was really looking forward to doing his first hundred at the 20 mil team national championships ride last fall. And I thought it was just such an awesome opportunity because I've always wanted to do that ride, but it's at a bad time of year for me. I can't have a horse in shape for a hundred very easily. 
in February because we've gone through several months of ice and snow and blizzards. It's just it's just kind of impossible for me to have a horse in 100-mile shape at that time of year. So the fact that the 20-mile team was going to be held in the, the fall that year made it very attractive to me. And I was like, wow, that would be an awesome first 100 for Thor because it's pretty easy, in my opinion. You know, it's not like crazy mountains or crazy drama. Anyway, I had him super ready. We had just done a multi-day, you know, 150-mile ride and taken first in BC in that multi-day at an XP ride and then had him all peaked and primed and we were going to put shoes on him to head to that national championships and we were just going to ride in the open because he wasn't qualified for the national championships. I just wanted to do the 100 and uh, my farrier drove a bunch of hot nails of course. Uh, I think he was really excited and I think he was also upset and dealing with some stuff back home so he had he shouldn't have even been shoeing that day but I didn't know that till afterwards. Anyway I had him pull the nails and blood actually came out of every nail hole and um, <clears throat> Thor was Thor was very lame. And I had to address that with uh, putting boots on with poultice for weeks. And I was afraid that he would actually, he could um, have some very serious permanent damage. But I really lucked out. And he came around and, and got better and everything. <laughs> it, it sucked that we missed that ride. But, uh, I, you know, that was beside the point at that stage in the game. So he recovered over the winter and we started over this year. This year we got started in February, um, just doing little LDs and things, and I did the same thing, kind of ramping them up in mileage, and we went to Strawberry Fields XP Endurance Ride, which is a gorgeous ride, one of my favorites. It's in the mountains and aspens and single tracks of Utah up there near Ogden. Strawberry Fields XP is, has been a ride going on for a long time, and Howard has been putting it on, and now he's putting it on with the help of David Annie Nicholson. It's a very challenging mountainous ride that I thought did a really good job of preparing Thor. I, I tried to pace him in a way that all that mattered was finishing three days and we came in second each day, took best condition the second and third day, and then overall for the 150 miles we took first place and best condition for the overall. And so we walked away from that feeling pretty fit and pretty ready for this Ozark Ozark 100. We went home. I, I let him rest for, I think, just about two weeks before just putting a couple of really mellow rides on him. I tested all my night gear. He hasn't had a lot of experience with riding at night, and I realized that that was going to be very important because the Ozark Trail is all single track and all technical, so it's you know you're going to be spending some time out there in the dark, that's for sure, in a technical setting, so that makes it even more complicated. So I tested out all my lights, did some night rides on him, didn't push him hard on anything. I think he was fit. It was all about just rest and and just staying loose. So anyway, we, we headed out there. Val joined us. Val is a black stallion that Thor gets along great with. So that was really nice for him to have company during the ride. I mean, during the drive, I should say. Everything worked out pretty well. The start of the 100 was interesting. I wasn't sure where. I, I was um, completely misled on how the 100 started. I thought it was on a single track on the Ozark, but they actually took us out the back way on a road, which was obviously far less technical because you're on like a dirt road for a couple miles, letting everybody kind of space out before you dive off onto the Ozark Trail, which is all single track knee knocker trees and, and rocks and logs and things to duck under and branches at face level. And oh my God, spider webs, spider webs everywhere, constantly on your face. And so that was, I hate spiders. So that was an <laughs> unforeseen challenge that I struggled with. In fact, um, having done a few warm up rides and freaking out about the spiders, I called Carrie 
and told her to bring an extra whip. And so I actually, for the first time in my life, carried a whip for the entire 100 mile ride so that, and I just had it in my reins hand, just straight up to take out the spider webs in front of me. And that's the entire reason I had it. And I was so happy to have it. I can't believe I carried that darn thing the whole hundred miles, but oh my gosh, the spider webs were, were just insane. And there were spiders on them that were like all creepy crawly. Anyway, very unforeseen um, challenge for me. I don't think Thor cared, but I definitely did. Anyway, so we were not in first heading out. There were two riders ahead of us. I, I later found out that one was a 100 and one was a 75, but they were ahead of us pretty much till halfway through the ride. I think we kind of leapfrogged with them once, just briefly, once or twice. I can't really remember, but um, we we're just doing our thing. Thor has a very consistent pace and Carrie chose to speed up a little bit and stay with Thor and I to make up so that she wasn't in the dark for so long later on in the day. So that was really awesome because she and I got to ride together for a while. Anyway, Thor has a very uh, metronome-like trot and he can do it all day long as long as you... As long as you're going, like, I mean, it's just, it's very steady. And so I, I did expect people to leave us behind in the morning. And, and I had no problem with that because I'm, I'm so familiar with, with his, his ability to maintain that speed without any problems for, for literally the rest of the day, the rest of the weekend, the rest of the week. I don't care how long the multi-day ride is. He'll just, he'll, he stays at that pace. I ended up slowing down a little bit more than usual because I was riding with my friend Carrie and, and I was in the back of my mind, a little bit concerned about that, but at the same time, really enjoying my time on the trail with her and um, getting to see her out back out there after so many, she's had quite a few injuries in the past couple of years. And she transitioned from only doing LDs for the past couple of years and skipping 50s entirely to come with me on this ride because there was not a 50 mile option. She entered the 75. Val had never done a 75, but he had also at Strawberry Fields done three days of LDs and he was in great shape and I just encouraged her to give it a shot. And so I was, I was really enjoying riding with them. And it, at that stage in the ride, it wasn't a concern for me that I might be going a little slower than I might usually do. Then we came into a vet check that had no hold. The horses were doing great. They were famished. They were starving, uh, wanting to eat wanting to drink, pulsed down, vetted through. The other riders were there, and I chose to go ahead and move out because not only was it a time of day where you're losing, you're starting to lose daylight. It was evening. I knew that I had the next The next vet check was a hold, our second 45-minute hold. I think it was called Barton Finn. And I wanted to get to that and depart that vet check with some light to spare. So I, I really, so I left Carrie there, and she did her own thing after that. Um, and I left the other riders behind me, and that was the last time we saw horses that day. We uh, really cruised that next mileage from that hold, that vet check to the Barton Finn hold, which is our the second of two 45-minute holds during that ride. Galloped into that hold. Again, Thor was just famished, starving. Even though there was grass on the trail, he had been eating on trail bites as we went, and lots of creeks. It's awesome that there's so many creeks, so you have a lot of opportunities to hydrate and so the horses really look great on that trail they can eat and drink all day he came in he chowed down val val and carrie came in partway into our hold there so he got to see val again he was winning in and happy to see him and uh, we took off at a much faster pace from that vet check because it was it was getting dark the sun set shortly thereafter and again i was just moving as quickly as i could trying to cover as much ground as i could before it got dark and then it got dark. 
Um, we were still on really great trails, though, single tracks. There are there were some logs down that you're like jumping over, no big deal. And then there are some logs and vines, like big vines, that are strewn across the trail that you've you definitely don't want to run into in the dark. You're ducking under them, and they could take you off your saddle if you're not paying attention. So I often don't run with lights at night, but I wanted to train with lights for that reason. I knew it was a technical single track, and so I had very bright lights on myself and my horse so that we we would be able to see all these obstacles that I had heard stories about. Just wanted to be prepared. We came into the next bet check, which is where it goes from a point-to-point ride. It goes at that point into a lollipop for the 100, but the 75s end there. So we came into the that vet check. Thor looked great. There was no hold, so we departed with our lights. It was pitch black. There was no moon, and you're in trees. So even if there was a moon, I highly doubt it would have mattered. But there was a lot of rock on that next section, and I was... Huh, I, I can't say that I enjoyed that next uh, 10 miles. It was very technical. There were um, There was a big tree that that fell off and took the trail with it. So you kind of had to hike up around and there was a couple of places where it was so rocky. I couldn't even tell where the trail was. And I, I just let Thor kind of sniff his way through it. Cause I knew a horse had gone through putting lights up. And so I knew he could at least smell his way through. Thank God he did. And he, he had such a great attitude, but you know, after that much walking, he was kind of getting depressed and you know, here it is in the middle of the night and horses got to be wondering what the heck you're doing out there. So his energy level definitely, dropped down as well as mine. And I kind of, you know, I know that my attitude was, he was feeling that (laughs) as well. I was, I was frustrated. So I think he was frustrated, but he was still grazing on trail and drinking on trail and, and just power walking along despite the footing. We got to a, the vet check at the very far end. He ate and ate and ate in the dark there. Luke was out there. Um, I think that was after midnight, and we spent some time there, uh, to be honest, just because Thor was so hungry, and, and I hated to drag him away from his hay. But anyway, we, we took back off, and at that stage, we were on blacktop, and again, I felt like I could just feel every step. He was stepping gently on it. He was traveling very—he uh, was smart about the way he was moving on the blacktop and the pavement, and then we got on to— I don't know, just very hard-packed rock roads. Almost, it felt like cobblestone where dirt was hard-packed around rocks that don't give, you know, like big, like cleachy, but the rocks were much bigger. And I just, I had no desire to go fast on that. I wanted, I didn't want to lose time. And I had the the feeling that perhaps the lady behind me, I didn't know her, but I had a feeling that she might be trying to catch me at that stage because she had done this ride before. And that could be seen as an opportunity to make up time since it's a road. You could definitely go faster. But regardless, we walked. He drank a ton at one of the creeks. And then a bunch of traffic came up behind me with their headlights, which is frustrating. But um, it was the vet. They were just checking on me. And then behind them, two crew vehicles. And Luke had not passed me after I had left that vet check. So I knew that there was a shorter route home that Luke had probably driven back to the finish line on. And yet the vets and the other crew members came on this road to check on me. And so that uh, led me to believe that the lady that was behind me was definitely catching up because why would her crew have left that out check? She was, I believe, over an hour behind me before. And this would mean I hadn't kept track, but this would mean that she was much closer to me at this stage. And so I decided to pick up the pace a little bit on the road, but barely. I just wanted to make sure that she didn't catch me. I was That had kind of left my mind for the past several hours. And all of a sudden I was like, great, I, I better pick it up. 
And uh, we picked it up a little bit, but Thor and I were just, I mean, we had been walking for hours. So it was, you know, the adrenaline from the hundred had kind of left us and we were, <laughs> it was a little bit lackluster there at the end. But we climbed the hill and hills for us there are not major hills by comparison to, to Colorado. So it wasn't too big of a deal. We got to the finish line and it was uh, pitch black. We completed, walked down the hill to another very nice equestrian facility where the finish line was and the start facility was amazing bass bass river resort was just phenomenal and the end facility was also amazing and just took me a while to in the dark kind of find where my stall was and take care of my horse but anyway the everything went great thor was hungry val was there he had finished the 75 and gone straight to the facility without doing the lollipop actually he i wouldn't i honestly wouldn't have found my stall in the dark except val whinnied to us thank god (laughs) and um, so we just followed his Winnie and went that way. And sure enough, there was the trailer where Carrie and my mom were sleeping and Luke found his way as well. Um, he was leading me down with the truck. And anyway, it was an awesome ride. I've got to say that I truly, truly enjoyed the first 75 miles. It was so much fun. I love single track. There were a lot of knee knockers out there and my horse took excellent care of me. Not a knee was knocked. He tripped like twice in the entire day and it was mostly in rocks where of course a horse would trip he was very sure-footed very forward and we were having a blast for those those first 75 i highly recommend to people to go see this part of the world to go see that trail that historic trail and how much fun i mean i would do the 75 again but i confess i i would not look forward especially at this you know a couple days later not look forward to the end of the hundred ever again. But if you haven't gotten a buckle there, then then it's worth doing. It's fun. It's challenging. And just just be aware of what's coming at the end of that ride because it's not it's not easy and it's not a good place to make up time. And if your horse is not doing perfectly, then that last 25 miles is not going to help. <laughs> so go into that last 25 miles with a happy, healthy, strong horse. And, and you should come out the other end fine having not rushed it. And if you're doing the 75, oh my God, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. It was it was really great. Anyways, I hope you guys give it a shot. And I'm glad that I did. And I am... I feel extremely blessed to have such an amazing horse, Thor, who I've been riding since he was two years old, half quarter horse, half Arab. I feel extremely blessed to have such great crew, great family that has been so supportive of me. And I was stoked that Carrie came along and was just as successful on the 75. So Colorado represented well, winning and be seeing the 175 mile both. And we had a safe trip home. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed the story. And if you have any questions, let me know. Hello, this is Carrie Barris from the Southeast region. Um, I've been on here before talking about my horse Comet, and um, I've had him for a year and a half now. So his first season um, was last year, and this year, uh, in 2020, we had a rough season, Um, not just because of COVID, but because of some other issues we were having with his shoes. Um, Comet and I do mostly ride and tie and our, you know, because of COVID and, and some other things going on, our first ride of the season together was Big South Fork in Tennessee in, in September. And we were going to do the 30-mile race um, with a friend, um, Amy, and we, you know, 
took off down the trail and there were just a few teams in the 30 mile race. And so at the start, we were sticking with Mark and Courtney who were riding uh, Kevlar. And so I was riding with Mark. I think it was the second or third time we, you know, got on the horses after they were tied and I could feel that Comet was lame. Um, You know, it was that obvious, like I got on him, we started trotting and I was like, oh, he's definitely lame. Um, so I got off and he had, uh, thrown a front shoe. And so this was about midway through the loop, a little less than halfway ish, uh, really. And I could have made, there were two decisions I could have made, um, turn around, go back to the start, hopefully get a shoe put on. Hopefully he's sound with the shoe on and then start again while my partner, Amy, maybe ran the whole loop. We'd already switched enough times. And then, you know, start over again um, on the horse and hopefully catch her. But, you know, as we made that plan, I was like, well, if we're going to complete this race, by the time I get back to the start, get a shoe put on and ride the whole loop, it will take, you know, a really long time. And she'll be waiting for us for a while at the vet check. And that's a long day. I was like, it might be better just to continue walking forward, complete the loop. Mostly hand walked him uh, the rest of the loop. And, um, you know, at times he seemed fine. Other times he you know, felt pretty off. You know, I kept kind of checking to see what was going on um, with him. And when we got back into camp, met up with the farrier, you know, putting the shoe on um, did not (laughs) improve the situation. And so, you know, we messed around with it a a little bit and it was just evident that that was it. He probably, you know, had a stone bruise. Got pulled from the race, pulled ourselves. I went over to the vet check and they said, well, we'll check him out anyway and, and see and, it, you know, I started to trot out. And it was like two steps. And they're like, yep, never mind, you're good. <laughs> so that was, um, you know, our first race of the season in September. And, you know, we'd done a ton of riding this year, which was nice. Um, and, you know, that I'd been able to do um, because my work schedule is a lot more flexible in times of corona. But he was off for a little while after that. We did get the, our farrier back out to work with him, too. And, you know, we did get him sound again. It was see the stone bruise when the farrier pointed it out. And so we got him back in shape in time to do Saratown Ride and Tie, which was um, not all that long after, a couple weeks later. And that was a standalone Ride and Tie event. We had several teams, and everybody kind of started out together, and we were all kind of tying and riding together. And at about mile three, we got to a road crossing. As we trotted onto the pavement, there was uh, the race director was there and a couple other people. As we trotted by, one of them said, your horse is missing a shoe. And... <laughs> Uh, I was not super happy about that. So got off of him. Sure enough, he's missing, you know, another shoe, (laughs) different shoe this time. And so we pulled him from the race um, and the race director kindly spent the rest of the day finding us a farrier. Her farrier was traveling. And anyway, she did get someone to come out, put another shoe on him. You know, we talked about he's got some real thin hoof walls. And so we talked about that and kind of, you know, it led to a lot of good discussions about how I'm going to go forward with his shoes from now on. He did. We got the shoe back on him and completed the second day. And Melissa and I were partners that weekend, so we did not get a completion the first day. We only made it three miles in. But the second day, he was fantastic. Good pony, really well-behaved, you know, did his job. A little hot the first loop, but, you know, just perfect gentleman on the second loop. We had a great day, and I was really happy to get that completion. Then... 
we were supposed to go to Skymont to do the um, the LD there when he was being loaded onto the trailer. Um, Lee and Sarah Kruger were loading him on the trailer for me uh, where he stays at their house. And when they were getting him out of the pasture, put him on the trailer, one of his shoes was slightly like loose or off and... They were like, never mind, we're not dealing with this again with this horse. And so they loaded their other horse, who actually belongs to uh, Lee's brother, Mark. This is Kevlar, who you've heard about from Courtney before. Um, loaded Kevlar onto the trailer, took him to Skymont instead. And so I ended up doing an LD Kevlar instead. And it was wonderful. Um, had a great day on him. We just had a blast. We top 10. We were in fifth, which was great. We just had a good day. I mean, I just rode, you know, he felt good. And, you know, I just rode him like, you know, I was just out for a good training ride with a little more speed. He just was a great horse all day. We had a lot of fun together. At least I had fun. And he's that horse just, you know, the second we kind of trotted across across the finish line, tossed his tack off, his heart rate was already down. He's just a solid competitor, and I'm really excited about what he's going to do. So uh, the last race of the season was, for us at least, Fort Valley in Virginia, and we hauled Kevlar and Comet up and ended up, my partner had to cancel, and Courtney's partner had to cancel, both, you know, reasons out of their control, but so we both decided instead of partnering together, we would just do Equithon. And so my friend Alice and I decided to do Equithon together, not as a team, but just I rode Comet and she rode her horse Pippi and Comet and Pippi came from the same breeder. So that was exciting for us to, you know, ride them together. We always have fun doing that and telling the breeder about it, Pam. And so we rode, we did two days in a row, 17 mile loop on the horses, you know, get the horse through the vet check and then go out and run 14 miles. And so we just had a good, like we were the only ones doing those distances. Everybody else was doing, you know, either Equithon or Ride and Tie, and they were doing different distance Equithon or Ride and Tie. We saw the 30 mile Ride and Tie team several times. You know, they would eventually catch up to us and pass us. Like we'd be ahead of them in the first loop, and then, you know, it takes us much longer to get the horses vetted out because we're pulling tack and getting them settled while we go out and run. Um, so on the second loop, they would catch us pretty quickly. We did have fun out there on the course, just, you know, <laughs> riding the 17 miles both days together and then running the 14 miles both days together. And Comet was awesome all weekend. For those of you who've been to Fort Valley, you know that's a tough, tough loop. It's the first loop of the LD, second loop of the 50 this year. And it's just, it's tough. Um, lots of rocks, lots of climbing. The whole 30-mile loop has over 5,000 feet of elevation gain and loss. So... It's a lot, the whole race. The second loop is much flatter, but it's still got some good climbing. But we did have a good time, and Comet was just a, you know, he was a rock star all weekend. He just, you know, he wanted to go, but he was also, you know, easy to control. He's still young. He's eight. You know, sometimes he gets super excited, but he was... He was very good. He doesn't like standing still at the start, but once you kind of get him out on the trail, he's just so well-behaved, such a good good guy. Um, I'm really happy with him and uh, hoping to get some more miles with him next season. You know, this year we had plans for other races, but obviously with things getting shut down, you know, we missed out on several things we had planned, but you know, we did manage to get in some good rides anyway and have a good time doing some ride and tie and some uh, some Equithon. You know, thank you for listening and thanks to Christina for giving me the chance to give an update. Hi, everyone, and Happy New Year. This is Adriana from Marvel Endurance in Queensland, Australia. I'm here to share with you some very exciting news, being that about a month ago, on the 16th of January, I purchased my very first horse. 
His name is Cedarton Shatan. I have nicknamed him Sid. He is a nine-year-old chestnut Arabian gelding, and I am in love. Um, really excited for the adventures we are going to share together and really excited to share those adventures with you. Owning a horse has been my dream ever since I was a little girl. So several decades later, um, I'm very excited that it's now a reality and we've got lots of great adventures ahead of us, I'm sure, and I look forward to sharing them all with you. Hi, my name is Krista and I'm an endurance rider from Oregon. We live up in the northwest corner, up in the coastal foothills. So we do a lot of riding on the beach. We are actually headed there this weekend for some camping with the horses. And But we are moving back to Central Oregon soon, which is our home. And Central Oregon is kind of the epicenter for endurance rides of our area. So we are really excited about that. And I've been doing endurance since 2003. My farrier told me that I was wearing out horseshoes faster than any of his endurance clients and I needed to get into endurance. So I did and I fell in love with the sport because of the fantastic care of the horses, the veterinarian support that we have throughout the rides. And then I stuck with it because of my friends, the family, the community that we built through endurance. I just don't think you can be an endurance family. My goals this season are pretty light. I'm starting a, uh, a new horse to me and just building her up really slowly. So we'll probably do some equine trail sports and maybe an LD at the end of the season. I'm bringing along two kids who are beginning writing and both of them would like to do an LD by the end of the season. So between moving and working and getting the, my two kiddos, age 10 and seven, horseback, my writing has been a little different looking than in years past when my whole life revolved around riding and the horses but it is a lot of fun bringing two kids into the sport because here in the northwest we have a huge junior turnout in fact our last ride a junior won the ld and what six of the top 10 riders were juniors so this is a really exciting time in the northwest to have junior riders coming up in the sport Hi everyone, this is Adriana Sardoni from Marvel Endurance in Queensland, Australia, here to provide you with an update on how the rest of my 2020 went. The last update I provided was back in episode 37 in April 2020, just as things were starting to really um, escalate around the world with COVID-19. So, not long after that update, um, Chris started the Warhorse 100 mile virtual challenge, which I signed up to complete um, and set my own terms as to how I was going to um, complete those 100 miles. So I chose to do them on my absolute favorite horse, Willowvale Syrah, uh, whom I have spoken about a lot in previous um, podcasts. So he, um, for most of this, most of, sorry, last year, 2020, he has been um, 20 years old. He turned 21 in November. And um, yeah, we believed that it would likely be his final season before he um, started his well-earned, well-deserved retirement. 
with the cancellation um, of all rides at the time until, um, well, it was indefinite at that point. We had no idea if or when rides would restart for the year. The Warhorse Challenge was a perfect opportunity for us to achieve something together in his final um, official year um, in endurance. He's still going to get ridden a little bit. So we, um, yeah, I said it, uh, my challenge was to complete the 100 miles with Ra and to wear a different outfit combination for each of those. It took us 24 legs to complete and I am pleased to report that I completed it in 24 different outfit combinations. We were really fortunate in Queensland that our endurance season was able to restart in July and I was able to do four endurance rides between July and October, including the Kuya ride, uh, which I spoke about back in episode 37. It had been cancelled back in March, but um, they were able to rerun it in August, which was awesome. A really big thing for me also um, in those four rides was starting the state championships, um, the Queensland State Championships 160 kilometre, 100 mile ride um, in October. So Victoria offered me her gorgeous Palomino Miz, um, Malou Vale Amir Halo, um, to do the ride. It it was my third start in a 160-kilometre ride. Victoria and I had completed um, both of our first attempt um, a couple of years ago where we rode um, the whole thing together and completed together. Um, I also got over 100 kilometres into the Quilty in 2019 with Victoria, but unfortunately I vet it out. But um, fortunately, Victoria went on to complete that. So I was, uh, yeah, it was my third start going for my um, second completion and it didn't all go entirely to plan. So coming into the ride, um, it's usually a midnight start. I was aware that the previous year's state championships had had a bit of a um, thing with the start time where it was changed to nine o'clock at night. So we moved um, forward three hours, but not much notice was given to the riders. So I'd kind of come in prepared for just in case that happens. I'd heard a whisper that they changed it to 10, 10 o'clock at night. So I went and spoke to the, um, the officials and I was told that no, it wouldn't be changing. It was a midnight start. But I thought, you know, get to bed as early as I can, have dinner super early, best to get as much sleep or as much rest as possible. So after showering at 4 p.m., having dinner at 5 p.m., attended pre-ride talk at 6 p.m. Um, the night of the ride start, and we were told that the ride start had been changed to, you guessed it, 10 p.m. So um, through a lot of riders, um, I was very unhappy about this. The change was totally fine, but it was the notice um, that was the issue. However, I was as best prepared as I possibly could be for it and was able to head straight to bed. I didn't get any sleep, um, but got up at nine, saddled up, and 10 o'clock, off we go. To add to that, I um, don't ride on my own. It's not something that I like to do if I can avoid it. I've ridden on my own a couple of times, um, but you know, I can be a bit of an anxious rider. I only learned to ride at the age of 22 and um, I just don't have that sort of fearlessness that a lot of people, um, a lot of other riders have. 
So I was lucky to find a buddy to ride with, um, a lovely lady called Emma. We rode the first two legs together, but unfortunately at the end of the second leg, her horse fed it out, which meant I had to go out on my own. We'd been um, really pacing, pacing ourselves with the ride and consequently we were the last out on track, which meant that there was nobody behind me. I had no other bodies to find and it meant that I really had to go out on my own with the knowledge that no one would be coming up behind me. I surprised myself on that leg. I rode 38 kilometres um, the entire leg with complete confidence. We did a lot of cantering and um, yeah, it was it was weird. It was not me, but I was really enjoying it and really really felt like I had accomplished something quite big for for myself personally um, when I finished that leg. We passed vetting. Um, so we were 120 kilometers in. However, Victoria knows her horse very well and he was not 100%. So we made the decision to withdraw. And um, yeah, so it's not a vet out. It was um, withdrawing with a with a sound horse. I think some countries call it rider option. We got 120 kilometers in and although I didn't come home with a buckle, I felt like I had achieved a great deal in that ride. The other thing that happened um, this year that is quite notable was um, Ra retiring and returning back to his home with um, his owner Yvonne. So we did complete um, Warhorse together, which was awesome. I always wanted to do a 100-mile ride with him and I was able to do it under different circumstances than I had um, imagined. However, we did get our 100-mile and we've got our, our patch and our medal to, to show for it. Yeah, we did. We rode so much of it in the Renegade hoof boots that I was testing out on him um, in my last update and the crack in his hoof never came back. So he went home as a um, healthy, fit, sound horse and um, yeah, a 21-year-old and I'm really, really happy about that. So it was the 22nd of November that we said um, I said goodbye to him. There were lots of hugs and kisses and tears. Um, but, yeah, he'll always hold a, hold a very special place in my heart. So that's my endurance news for the rest of 2020. I'd like to leave you with a sound clip from a video Victoria took of Miz and I coming in at the end of leg three at state championships. Uh, this is the leg that we had ridden entirely on our own. Hello, my name is Nancy McMurtry. I really enjoy this podcast and was flattered and a little intimidated when Chris invited me to share my horse story. I live and ride in Utah. Winters seem long and cold here to this born and raised California girl. And I am always singing praises when the weather warms up and the trails dry out. I did not grow up with horses, although I was born with them in my soul. When I was 14, my family moved from the tiny town of Fall River Mills to Placerville. We lived on Gold Hill, and I drove past No Hands Bridge more times than I can count, never knowing anything about the existence of a sport I now love. In my early 20s, I was married and finishing college. The secretary for the on-campus job I had invited me to ride with her. Oh, man, I'd love to, I said, but I don't know how to ride. I have a mare that can teach you, she said. 
So after work, I followed her to the barn every week. She taught me how to put on a halter, brush, and saddle the horse. She put me up on good old Cheyenne and basically turned me loose in the arena. That was my start. It was like coming home. For my graduation present, my husband bought me a horse. I picked out the perfect one, or so I thought. Socks the Cat was a 16-hand, off-the-track thoroughbred. I think his restart consisted of a new saddle and group trail rides. He was super sweet and soft in his home paddock where I tried him out and fell in love. I bought him, brought him to the barn where I would keep him, and he was a different horse. Our first ride there, he bolted badly, and I fell off backwards, and I don't remember landing. There was a chunk missing from the back of my helmet, and I eventually crawled out of the dirt. I remember someone saying that was not the correct way to fall off of a horse. (laughs) I never was really able to get past our first ride, and I rode less with my own horse than I had before I even got him. I did lots of groundwork. You can't fall off the ground. I kept him for a couple years, determined to work through it, but I never could. I eventually sold him and went back to being the horse mooch that rode with friends on their horses. When I was 24, my husband and I learned that we would never be able to get pregnant. It broke me. I fell into a deep depression where I stayed for a couple of years. Eventually, I realized that my life was happening and I was missing it. I needed to find a way to start living again. I asked myself, what is something you've always wanted to do that would be challenging with little ones? So that summer, I started taking jumping lessons. And slowly, healing and life began to creep back into my heart. Horses were my turning point back to myself. I took lessons for about nine months and loved every bit of it. It was around here that I discovered the sport of endurance on the internet. To me, it was a good excuse to eat up miles and miles of trails, and I couldn't imagine why anyone would want to do anything else with their horse. Around that same time, a good friend began her quarter Arab cross in endurance. She took to it like a fish to water, and their first 100-miler was the 2009 Tevis. I got to crew for them, and I will never forget the magic of that weekend. They completed with 15 to 20 minutes to spare. I couldn't have been more proud or inspired. I knew that I was going to ride Tevis someday. Through the miracle of adoption, we eventually became the proud parents of a precious little baby boy named Liam. The gift of motherhood has been changing to me, life-changing. Later, we moved and started a new business. Things got stressful and rough with the new business, and I was struggling with depression again. I needed to return to horses. I found a local Arabian mare for lease, and I began taking lessons on her from her owner. Sequoia and I clicked immediately, and I loved that little red mare. I eventually did a care lease with her, planning to buy her when I could. We did our first intro ride at Antelope Island, then the Strawberry Fields XPLD. I was hooked. This really was as wonderful as I thought it would be. I had big plans and went then in the fall. I suddenly lost her to colic. The vet assured me it was nothing I did, but she was gone and my life fell apart. Just a couple weeks later, we lost a close friend. And a couple months after that, we closed down our business. And then one night, I passed out in our bathroom, landing face first on the tile floor, and I had a seizure. Through the horrendous care I received at the ER, I got worse over the next week. I ended up spending most of seven months in a dark room because I could not handle light 
or sound or emotion or eye contact. Eventually, I found a concussion clinic that helped me re-enter my life, and three weeks after completing my therapy, we brought home our second son, Eli. Eli came to us through a kinship foster care adoption. We brought him home on Thanksgiving weekend, two weeks before his third birthday. He is incredibly sweet and determined and had experienced more in his first three years than any kid ever should. Our next year was focused on finding our feet as a family of four. I wanted to start riding again, but was terrified. After my severe concussion, I felt I was made of glass. Another concussion would be disastrous for my entire family, but I needed to ride. My good friend had a little POA pony named Toby that her daughters had outgrown. I'm a petite little thing, so she offered him to me to ride to build back my confidence. I love that little pony. He became and will always be a good friend. The minute life got back into a better balance for us, I was looking for my next endurance horse. I found her just a mile away from my friend's barn, another seven-year-old red Arabian mare. We clicked right away. Her trainer took us on a few different trails, and I knew she was the one for me. Her trainer and his family became good friends, and they convinced me into riding two fifties our first fall together. They were both down by Bryce Canyon outside of Panguitch, Utah, both XP rides. We completed both by following my friend Francis Lewis and his faithful horse ranger. Monet does not like to be in the lead. With two completed 50s finishing up 2019, I was sure 2020 was going to be our year. Even with COVID, I was still determined to keep up with our conditioning. Unfortunately, a knee injury put me out of the saddle for a month, and I had to slowly rebuild. By that summer, I was ready to try an LD. Six years after my first LD, I was back to Strawberry Fields XP ride for a spectacular 30 miles. We made some new friends. Monet finished easy and my knee survived with lots of ibuprofen and ice. I was very happy. Monet has always been a bit buddy sour and resistant to leading, so now I did most of our conditioning alone, hoping, hoping to build her confidence. We completed the Valkyrie 100-mile challenge in just 30 days. I signed up for Pony Express knowing I would finish it in record time. Spoiler alert, we aren't. <laughs> we were ready for a 50 and drove up to Idaho for Old Salam in September. I had planned to ride a slower ride, but accidentally ended up towards the front. Monet was fit enough for it, but she usually counts on the walking brakes to regroup mentally. Without those, she got super hot. The months of training alone did not help her like I thought it would. She was now even more determined to stick with the other horses and was barely aware I was even on her back. We got stuck in a bottleneck on a steep, short drop, and she lost it. Jumping, spinning, trying to bolt, I came off. Later, I learned I broke a couple ribs and received another concussion in the fall, but in the moment, I recovered my breath and got back on after some kind soul had chased her down and brought her back, of course. After another mile, she was no calmer, so I dismounted and chose to hand walk her until some other riders I knew caught up with us. By the time they did, the walking had settled Monet's mind, and I finished the first loop. After the fall, my knee had started acting up, and again, 
had started acting up again, and by the time I finished my hour hold, my knee had completely frozen up. I tried to start out the next loop but could not post without blinding pain in my knee. After just a quarter of a mile, I turned back and officially pulled us out. When we vetted out, the vet exclaimed how wonderful my mare looked. Even though I had tried to train my horse both mentally and physically, I was apparently only successful with the latter. This was devastating for me. Since our first 50 together in 2019, Monet had gotten more and more reactive, and I was struggling to stay connected with her on the trail. It has started a deep dive for me into better ways to connect with my horse. I basically stopped riding her for almost five months and have focused instead on connection, relaxation, and groundwork. I got another horse in October, a 15-year-old halflinger gelding named Grizzly, meant to be a family friend horse. As I've basically been restarting Monet, Grizzly has become my trail partner. I have also continued work to heal my knees and to recover from my last concussion. This shift in my focus has given me the chance to get my now seven-year-old son riding confidently on my old friend, Toby. Eli and Toby are getting close to 200 miles together for 2021 and will be finishing their relentless 100-mile challenge this week. I am a proud mama. This spring, we attempted an LD at Antelope Island together, but did not finish due to Eli's allergy attacks and Grizzly's extreme buddy sour behavior. Want to say hi, Eli? Hi. <laughs> Back when I got Monet, I began a YouTube channel called Dreaming of Endurance to track our journey. As Eli has fallen in love with riding, he now, now claims the channel as his own. It has been such a privilege to watch his ama this amazing little pair grow together. We have our sights set on strawberry fields in July and are hoping Mon Monet will be ready for that. When Chris asked me to contribute to the podcast, I was so intimidated because my first focus was how I have not completed my last two rides. I felt embarrassed and questioned, questioned if I had anything worthwhile to say. But as I write down a brief overview of my horse story, I realized it embodies everything that I love about endurance. Endurance is not about achieving some picture-perfect goal. It's about grit, and it's about problem-solving. It is about it is a soul-searching adventure available to all those with an open heart and adventurous spirit who prefers to make this journey through life on the back of a good horse. I am excited for the trails ahead of us and know that we will meet all the ups and downs along the way, covered in horse hair and dirt, with carrots in my pocket, just as God intended. Hello, this is Chris. Thank you, Nancy, for that beautiful story. I was in my office listening to that as I'm editing and putting together the podcast. And I just had tears in my eyes because it's been really hard to get back into podcasting after Houdini. You all know if you listened to the last three episodes. But a couple people reached out to me this week and I realized the podcast does mean something to people, that it is bringing people together. It is helping us have our own venue where we get to hear from other people from around the world, from next door, from down the road. And we see that we have so much more in common in our lives than just our love of horses and our love of nature. You know, 
when you're at an endurance ride, you don't know what that other person has gone through. But I can rest assured that endurance in life is something that person is probably really good at, just as they are attracted to a sport that highlights that quality in each other, that we do have perseverance and we do endure and we do help each other out and encourage one another. And I have avoided this topic that's been um, hot on the radar. It comes and goes like, like storms, but it is the debate of what is endurance. And all I'm going to say about that is our sport needs a name. And just like dressage has a name and has levels, eventing has a name and has levels. The difference between these other disciplines and endurance is that endurance has named the top level of the sport the exact same name of the sport. And I think that's where the confusion lies, is in the naming of it. I just hope and pray that as a community, we can get this together because all horse registries, all horse sports, and horse ownership is down. And we are a privileged few people who get to be able to sit on a horse's back and get to ride through this beautiful country, beautiful world, and on an amazing creature and get to be part of this. And I worry sometimes, I truly worry when I read the comments, when people are arguing about what level of this sport that they are riding. And I'll tell you what, (laughs) that's exactly why I made the podcast, really, was to bring people together. Because we are all in the same sport together, whatever the distance. So it's my hope and my prayer that we all realize we're riding under the same flag. We're under the same sport, you know, hug and make up and grow this sport. Because if all the energy that was going towards this debate would be put towards growing the sport, we would be thriving. Let's keep that going. You know, let's keep it going. And let's be positive and encouraging and everybody bring one new person into the sport and let's help it grow. Sorry that this episode was such a quilt of past audios that I had saved, but I think you all know I really needed to do those three episodes on EPM.